Hey, listeners. Before we get into the new episode of Kaiju Transmissions, I want to do a quick plug for a guest spot that Matt and I and our friend Tom, who you've heard on the podcast before, um, did for another podcast. Uh, that is the Movie Graveyard Podcast, hosted by our friend The Goat, who uh, you may remember did the Power Rangers episode with us. But we did a full commentary track for the 1998 Godzilla movie, and I think it turned out really good. We had a lot of fun doing it, and um, hopefully you guys will check it out. And I know a lot of people might not be eager to revisit that movie, but... I don't really think you have to. I think you can enjoy it without having to watch that movie. So, yeah, go check that out and also uh, enjoy this episode coming up. Hi. That was a very enthusiastic hello. Uh, well, we're both like sleep deprived. It's been a long it week. It is late. Uh, but has we, your chi- has your uh, like the the child that lives in your house has, has your child been like out of control this week? Because mine has. Uh, she's been a little better. You know, she's she's sleeping right now. That's good. Yeah, she's. He's he's good. I know your yours has been uh, out of control lately. <laughs> I don't think Landon understands what sleep is. Yeah, the or con- why no the, the 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 concept of bedtime they do not. <laughs> they I don't, I'm not sure if they understand it, but they definitely don't like it. That is uh, that's correct. We should probably mention this is the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Yeah, it is the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. <laughs> this isn't the uh, having trouble getting your kids to bed podcast. Although I'm sure there's a lot of those podcasts oh, out I there. I guarantee you there's a bunch of those <laughs> podcasts out there. <laughs> uh, well, um, well, I guess th- when this comes out, it will be Mother's Day. You know who probably doesn't have a hard time getting her kids to bed, Matt? Uh, well, I know it can't be, like, anybody in my house, so I'm out of guesses. Oh, it's definitely not not us over here, either. But Mothra. Happy Mothra's Day! Yeah, happy Moth- a- Mothra's Day, get it? We're so clever. I get it. Yeah, it's, it's really funny and genius, I think. But yeah, um, Mothra is a, uh, a mother to a, to a larva or something. I have a question before we like even dig into the Rebirth of Mothra series. Uh, isn't isn't this the the offspring of Mothra in this one Mothra Leo? 
isn't Mothra male? Like the first one's female, the next uh, one's male. Can not can canonically? Can it, is that is that how you say it? I, <laughs> I can't say any any words well, right. Yeah. Why are you asking me? That's uh, like anyway. That's true. However, the the subtitles on the that the Blu-ray set. Uh, for whatever reason, it depends which movie you watch. That is also true. <laughs> uh, but that's Sony for that's that's the Sony Toho discs for you though. But but yes, uh, it it's um it's a male. Yeah, but the male is uh has a good mommy, mother. I don't. I'm, I'm so sure. tired. Bert. For sure. <laughs> um, after you know all the lovely moms in my life my girlfriend my mother uh mothra is probably my favorite mother it, yeah i mean mothra i feel like mothra is sort of a better father figure than godzilla because like remember that time and when he was like beating his own son because he couldn't breathe atomic fire oh yeah godzilla is a terrible father <sighs> um yeah so i, I always tell the story uh, we this is our I think our second Mother's Day special, but so my father got me into Godzilla, but my mother um, bought me my first Godzilla figure, which was the Imperial Godzilla. That's that I still own. That's not really like a well sought after figure by any means because it's got like the red lipstick. But I I keep it. And it's probably the one figure that if I had to sell everything, I'd probably keep that particular toy. Was um, that the the small one or the big one? It's a big one. Yeah, has a. Uh, Mine has like a crack in the fin, and uh, it's got the red lipstick, for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, my mom, my mom got me my first Godzilla figure, and then uh, I also remember that those Godzilla Chromium cards were like I don't know if I was sick or coming off surgery or something, but she felt so bad for me that she went and like bought the rest of the box that when I had my allowance I couldn't afford, but like two packs. And so like a week later she came home and she was like, "Hey, I wanted you to feel better," and so she gave me those cards, which I still have as well. So. Moms are cool, man. Yeah. They support your um, uh, monster habits. Yeah, my mom didn't get me I didn't get me into Godzilla. I guess I got myself into Godzilla. Well, I and you know, I had like other kids that knew Godzilla, but she did get me my first Godzilla toy, which was the smaller um imperial figure. And that's cuz I mean, she I I was into dinosaurs and I just had tons of dinosaurs. So she got me a Godzilla, and she got me the King Kong as well. Um, and I still have those, too. And like you, I, I would pro- I'll probably always have those. I should also mention... Min- Jeez. Uh, I should also mention that my wife uh, is wonderful because, A, she puts up with me, and then, B, she uh, allows me to uh, collect Godzilla stuff and... She puts up with like watching the movies, and I mm-hmm. say puts up like she'll she'll sit through them with me, and then of course, um, she lets me brainwash Landon with giant monster things. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean I'm in the same boat. Luckily, I have a, a girlfriend who's really supportive of me being into this stuff, and uh, she's been to G Fest with me a couple times, and she enjoys it. She likes watching the movies with me, and she likes Mothra a lot. Um, but who doesn't? Well, I guess there are people that don't. What's there are tons of people that don't like Mothra. <laughs> They're like, Mothra should have never beaten Godzilla. That that can't happen. Godzilla got his ass beat in like the first five movies. 
Like that was yeah. that was the thing. Godzilla was the villain, so he always lost. But no, nah, Mothra Mothra is one of the classic Japanese monsters. You can't can't disrespect Mothra like that is correct. Um and uh I mean Mothra well we'll talk about this trilogy, but Mothra's also been so many great movies too. I mean That seems like a lie. That does it? I mean you have the original Mothra, which is still I think one of the best. Yeah, no. Like the uh, the original yeah. Mothra is a stone cold classic. I, I mean, guess what I meant was, in relation to what we're talking about, it feels like a lie, but I guess it's probably more 50-50. Yeah, sure, I suppose. Um, but, it, well, I mean, after Godzilla, Mothra, I think, has been in more Toho movies than any other monster. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that Toho selected Mothra to essentially continue the, uh, the kaiju film stuff after they put Godzilla to rest in 95. Yeah. But yeah, no, the original Mothra is one that I think is just almost just perfect. Um, or, or is that another one that you're like, oh, I liked it when we talked about it on the podcast, but now it's like a two. <laughs> no. No, I mean, like, I, I all the, basically all the Showa stuff uh, is, is, all the Showa Mothra films, whether it's, you know, Something like Destroy All Monsters, or obviously Mothra vs. Godzilla 64, like, those are all wonderful films. Unfortunately, once you hit, like, you know, you hit 92, you start talking about the three films we're going to talk about. It's, even, even, I really hated Mothra and GMK. I mean, GMK, I think, is, like, 50% perfect, and then the rest of it's very flawed, and I think Mothra is a big part of that flaw, but... I mean, I wouldn't say a big part, but I definitely think that it is a weird, like Waspera. It's a it's a weird like scenario to plug Mothra into. I guess that is not not quite as weird as Ghidorah, but it's it's a weird yeah, it it's a weird version both. of Mothra. But Mothra is great Mothra in like uh, Tokyo SOS. Yeah, that's probably no, I, that's probably the my favorite. Uh, that's probably the best looking mod. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that or the one in a GFW or GFW Godzilla Final Wars. Um, Mothra looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, uh, Mothra has earned her her place. Um, but uh, we suck tonight, Bert. We like this <laughs> podcast is like. <laughs> Uh, but Mothra is, uh, in the 90s, uh, we had this, this here trilogy, um, and that's gonna be our main focus tonight. Um, you know, you, people can go through our back catalog and listen to us talk about, you know, any of the Godzilla movies or the original Mothra at length, so, um, do that if you haven't already. And, um, yeah, we can get into the Rebirth of Mothra trilogy. Um, so, I don't know, we, we didn't really divvy up any, anything here. Um, for the first movie, um, do you want to go through the background or the synopsis? Do you want to call dibs on anything here? 
Uh, I'll do some of the background. I'm going to leave you with the synopsis, and I'll take uh, the synopsis for the second film. Is that okay. cool? Yeah, you yeah. Can do the yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <clears throat> uh, so... Basically, after Godzilla vs. Destroy in 95, uh, Toho looked back at the very the, basically the most successful Heisei film, which was uh, 1992's Godzilla vs. Mothra, and they were like, hey, how can we continue the monster film madness? Um, obviously, this goes back I mean, to like 1990 when they had um, Mothra vs. Uh, I call him Bagan, Bagan, I don't know how to say that, but they, they wanted to use Mothra in a uh, feature film all the way back to the early 90s. And this is basically made for half the budget of the Heisei Godzilla films. Um, the original concept was supposed to be part of the Heisei Godzilla continuity, and Mothra was supposed to battle a uh, reincarnated King Ghidorah who would have a skeletal middle head. And that idea was eventually dropped, and it was decided that a new film that was, well, the new film would actually end up being like a reboot of the entire uh, series. Uh, Tamoyuki Tanaka. Um, came up with the original story ideas and it was directed by Okihiro Yoneda. Um, and he was actually, he started on Toho's world war in space as an assistant director. And he would also be an assistant director on the Heisei Godzilla film, a uh, Godzilla series. Uh, also Orochi, the eight handed dragon, AKA Yamato Takaru. Um, and he worked under Akira Kurosawa and Ishiro Honda on Kurosawa's final four films. So that's interesting to me, like, watching this film, I wouldn't put together that the director was that experienced, but maybe then... <laughs> <laughs> like... I mean, uh, um, yeah, you handle the synopsis, man. It's... it's All right. something. So, um... Like we, we mentioned, this would be a reboot of the Mothra, I guess, uh, mythology. So you don't have the Shobijin or the Cosmos. Um, here we are introduced... Uh, we still have Infant Island. The movie opens on Infant Island, I believe. And um, we're introduced to our fairies in this. They're known as the Elias. Um, and there are... Uh, three sisters. Um, there is Maul, or if you watch some of the Sony movies, uh, call her Mona, and then some <laughs> of them don't. That is, but, that is true. <laughs> but uh, it's Maul. That's that's her actual. That's the character's name, and her sister Laura. And there are good fairies. I mean, they're they're um. They're not twins anymore. Uh, they don't talk at the same time anymore. But I mean, other than that, you know, they're your typical um, do-gooder, protector of the earth, um, Mothra fairies. Um, one of the more interesting concepts they introduce is a third sister uh, named Belvera, who is the, uh, I guess, their foil. She's the the evil one. Um, uh, she is like. How Batra was to the Heisei Mothra. Um, and so a big theme uh, of these first couple movies is um, environmentalism and um, treating the earth well and blah blah blah. So we're introduced to um, a family, um, a young girl and a young boy and their parents and their father works for um, like a, a a lumber 
company or something and they're tearing down the forest and uh you know tearing down trees and there's all this deforestation going on and they uncover um this like kind of uh tomb in the in the mountains and there's a little uh a little metal uh trinket on there and the the dad um pries it off and it's this cool little uh symbol and um he gives it to his daughter as um a gift as a necklace but it turns out that that was the seal uh for a creature known as Death Ghidorah, or as Toho's official ty- uh, name, Death Ghidorah, who I, I will never refer to him by that no, name. No, that's the stupidest, no. Uh, yeah, I think that's another destroya thing, where it's like, well, how do you copyright the word destroyer? It's like, okay, change it into something else. So, um, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, um, Death Ghidorah is... Uh, he is a three-headed, four-legged. Um, well, he's he's a Ghidorah on four legs, but he's uh, he's pretty cool looking. Um, and he he feeds off of um, you know energy from plant life, so he's all about this deforestation stuff. Um, he loves it, um, but not if Mo- not if Mothra has anything to say about it. So Mothra. Uh, is very old and has a uh, an egg about to hatch, but Mothra can't be sitting around uh, on an egg when you got um, a Death Ghidorah running around uh, sucking up all the plant life. So, so she goes and battles him um, to the death. Um, she's severely wounded. Um, and the egg hatches, and the little larva comes to help. Uh, but uh, it's too little too late, and Mama Mothra uh, is gravely wounded and sinks uh, into the ocean and drowns, leaving poor baby Mothra Leo all to himself. Um, and he gets beat up and makes his cocoon and comes out as the uh the new mothra he takes on death ghidorah and that is our plot in between that you have um some shenanigans it should be mentioned that these movies are made for a much much younger audience than even probably the godzilla films i mean if if the godzilla movies were aimed at ages like 7 to 12 or something uh these are more like these are like four to six um and so there's some some more juvenile hijinks um uh and you know that's why our our lead characters are the young boy and the young girl um the parents probably get the most screen time in this out of all three uh this one has a little bit more of a family drama you know there's Issues with the mom and the dad because they do that thing where that that I don't like when they do it. They use it so often in movies, but it's like where the mom is mad because the dad's always working, and it's like, I mean, this guy's providing for you. What do you what do you expect? Of course, he's going to be working all the time. He's providing for what? That's what a family of four. 
Yeah, yeah that whole like <laughs> plot line didn't really seem to. Well, I they, guess it was. They do that in so many movies where you know everyone's mad at the dad because he's working so much. People like that kind of have to. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was supposed to set up like maybe not like an estranged father, but this like idea of a dad that's distant with his family because he's a workaholic. And they try to redeem him later on when he's like, you know, his shoes catch on fire and stuff, which is a totally ridiculous scene. Um, I mean, that that whole thing where, like, he tries to save his kids, I think, is the point of, like, redeeming the father and, hey, I'm going to be there for you now kind of thing. But it, it really does kind of fall flat. And honestly, it makes the mother seem like a big nag. Like, is that how it well, came Well, yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm getting at because, I mean, this guy's like... If all he does is work, I'm sure he would much rather be hanging out at home. <laughs> you know, that's my work, point. work, work, work. Is that the? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. It, oh, and uh, a couple things to mention um, to add to the, I don't know, cuteness factor or the you know the appeal to to young people. The fairies and Belvera each have their own little creatures that they get to ride around on. They have a fairy Mothra, which is. Um, you know, that concept was kind of introduced in Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, and that's a cute little mini Mothra that they can ride around on. And then um, she has uh, a dragon called uh, Garu Garu, who um, is actually uh, uh, a robot. And, you know, he kind of gets more mechanical with each movie. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's our plot, that's our characters, that's our... Um, are monsters uh so um i don't know i mean uh i guess we we've seen these movies before uh i mean i've seen them a few times and um i don't i, I think we both watched all three um for this podcast but how how did you feel about this one this most recent rewatch so i actually had fond memories of watching this um probably like 10 15 years ago um and it didn't quite hold up as as well as i had remembered i will say that i watched it with landon and he was thoroughly engaged so from the standpoint of soho like hitting their target audience they definitely did that with this i mean the all the stuff with fairy and garu garu and like the fighting in the house and blowing the dishes up and, and that kind of stuff like Landon was honestly very drawn to that. Like he really enjoyed those. Oh things. yeah, and I mean, is the the we mentioned the budget is like half as much as a Heisei Godzilla movie, and it really shows. But I mean, even even for that, I, that that's a pretty fun set piece. Yeah, um, I, it's whenever like you watch a a movie aimed at children as an adult, like your takeaway can be, oh, this is way too stupid for me, or you can kind of put yourself in that that mindset of being a kid again and um the problem is as you mentioned as we talked about earlier like some of the character work doesn't it doesn't really work it kind of falls flat um but what i will say is there's, there's a couple of things i love about this film one is death Ghidorah. i think it's a really cool monster um not oh, quite yeah. king Ghidorah, but like yeah. i think the monster itself is great no he 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 is um and he's played by mizu yoshida who we've had on the show before and uh um, if anyone's not familiar with the interview I did with him, uh, I was surprised to learn that that's not a two-man costume. How did, so he, was he like on all, he, so he's on all four legs, basically? Like how? Pretty much, but they, they had him on like these like 
stilts, kind of. Yeah, I mean, if if there's one thing to take away, like, to sort of maybe detract from that, they do a pretty good job of hiding the movement when, mm-hmm. when De- Death Ghidorah walks, but, like, there are some times when it's pretty obvious it's a struggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I will say that I think Death Ghidorah is a much more... Maybe it is... Maybe, and maybe this is part of it, it being one person, but I, I, I do feel like he's operated better than... Um, Kaiser Ghidorah and Final Wars. Like, if we're talking about, oh yeah, no, it's four, not the, if, yeah, if we're talking about four-legged Ghidorahs, I actually think Death Ghidorah is um, a, a much better looking, not just from a design standpoint, but just how the suit is pulled off. One hundred percent agree. A um, couple other things I love about the film: the score. Honestly, the score for all three films, um, which were done by Toshiyuki. Uh, Watanabe, yeah, who also did composer. the Shinmu games, the the Shinmu games which came out. There's a new one actually coming out this year, um, and I love those games. But the the scores are better than they than this these films deserve them to be. Like genuinely, like moving pieces sometimes that are almost like too epic for what's happening on screen. You feel like, but <laughs> but when when Mothra like when Mothra dies and there's that like ballad that plays. Like I, when I watched this the first time, I was honestly like very saddened by it. So I thought. The music worked really well. You have the sacrifice of Mothra, which is handled really well. I mean, the only thing I would say about Mothra is it's that plush-looking toy. Like, it mm-hmm. just looks like a plushie, and I hate that. Yeah, it's the, um, it's the Heisei, uh, it's the 93 prop, which is, yeah, the fluffy, fluffy one. Um, also, I laughed at, like, when they go underwater, and, like, it's just bubbles that fill up the prop. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it sinks. Um, but, I mean, you know, there, there's, some, there's some cool moments in the film. Uh, this is if you th- the one thing I say about all three films. Um, Mothra basically gets more beams as the series progresses. You see this start to play out here. Like the larva gets a beam, it shoots webbing that like has some sort of weird energy with it, and sparks fly. Like Kawakita was just doing his thing, I guess. Um, yeah, if you're one of those people that's like, oh, the Heisei Godzillas, there's too many beams. Like you have no, you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea what you'd be getting into with this. There's a yeah. beams everywhere. The Mothra caterpillar shoots. Yeah, like raises up and shoots a beam from its chest or something. It's just the weirdest. <laughs> I guess that's really its underside, but whatever. It's it's one of those things where like the beams are sort of out of control. But in this film, it works out decently because they have some sequences where like Death Ghidorah actually gets to wrestle with the props by biting on them and throwing them around and stuff and. So overall, like this is, to me is this is the best movie of the series for me. Um, it feels the most complete, and it doesn't have. I mean, I have some some minor annoyances. I don't think it's a great movie by any means, but of the three, like this would be the one that I would come back to. Okay, it's interesting for me. It's always kind of either this or the third one. Um, but uh, but I I do think that um, the things that you said it does well. Um, are things I agree with. Uh, and um, for me, though, it's a, it's a weirdly paced, like, weirdly structured movie, because, you know, most movies have, you know, your act one, where you get to the, the, the problem, your act two, where your problem um, can get resolved, and your act three, which is, like, the resolution. And this just goes, like, from act one to act three. Like, um, you know, Death Ghidorah emerges 
kills Mothra, and then the baby just hatches out of the cocoon, and there's a short battle, and it's over. And it's like, whoa, what happened? Like, it's it like doesn't have a middle, <laughs> almost. Um, and that that's that always kind of like that that throws me off a little bit when I watch it. Um, uh, I think a lot of the issues are really budget problems. Um, I mean, the Godzilla movies were already really low budget, but I mean, slash that in half and, um, it doesn't leave much in the way for, you know, miniatures or anything. I mean, we're, we're pretty much in the Godzilla versus Gigan or, um, Godzilla versus Megalon kind of like, okay, everything's in one setting. Here's the forest. And, you know, there's some decent forest miniatures and stuff, but, um, I, I'm assu- I, I'm guessing that was a budget thing, you know. Okay, make all the big battles in forests and stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think that for its intended audience, um, this movie works well. Um, it's not one of my favorites by any means, uh, and. Um, but yeah, I mean, and really, almost any CG effect it looks really dated. Like, um, well, one thing about this being for for younger kids is there's a lot of musical numbers, and anytime there is, they're always like floating in front of like <laughs> like a Microsoft ninety five, uh, like a Windows ninety five like screensaver <laughs> <laughs> visual. Yeah, that's, like, that's unfortunately that's an accurate description. To be honest, I. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's, again, I mean, I know some of that's just natural aging, and a lot of it is budget issues, but yeah, that's, those sequences aren't the best, um, you know, I mean, a lot of the humor, for me, at least, falls kind of flat, but it's not really humor that, even when this movie came out in 96, you know, I was probably, you know, uh, even at that point, I might have been a little bit above the target of 11. So, I mean, when we say these are, for, like, these are movies are for, like, the same age group as maybe the old Gamera movies. Um, yeah, that's true. But I, I will say that um, I'm being a lot softer on this than I thought I would. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that, and I think you can probably speak to this as well. I think now that we're parents, stuff like this um, kind of goes down a little more smooth, you know, because you're able to kind of see a little bit more from the perspective of the audience that it was made for. And, you know, I can look at it and say like, okay, this, this is something that is going to work for that age group. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, I think when you put yourself in the mindset of, okay, this is a movie made for children. Now, that doesn't excuse, you know, poor writing, bad effects, that kind of, like, it doesn't excuse those things. But I think you can be kind of softer with what you expect out of the film. Like, not everything, like, my son's not so much concerned about how great the characters are. Like, he wants to see, he wants to see a basic plot line play out in front of him. And a lot of times, when I'm watching these movies with, with Landon, he'll ask questions. And he's like, hey, why did that happen? What are they saying? And um, what do they mean by it? like he, he's very 
he really does pay attention to what's happening beyond just the monsters at this point, which a year ago he honestly did not do. He was all about the monsters. So I'm kind of it's kind of cool to watch your kid grow up and like you see the changes in what they pay attention to. Like something like the sequence in the in the house where you know fairies blowing everything up with Garu Garu may not have held his attention as much as seeing the big monster battle at the end. Right. Um. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, my experience was kind of similar. And, um, like, we were talking to one of our friends earlier who hates the 90s Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Hates it. But his son is, loves it. And so he's, he's been, like, you know, he, he even said, like, you know, watching it with him, I, I'm a little bit softer on it. So, I don't know. I think that's kind of the angle that I'm at these days with these movies. Um, you know, I mean, maybe three years ago, I think I probably would have been a lot harsher. Um, that being said, you're absolutely right. I mean, we talked about some of the, the weak writing as far as the characters go. I mean, we, we've talked about the effects several times now and how, yeah, for us, some of the, some of the stuff falls flat, but, um, uh, beyond that, um, this movie kind of set a precedent that would be carried through the next two. And it might be my biggest issue across the board with this series is that, um the way it, the way they go is Mothra gets defeated in the first battle and then comes back and, uh, usually with new powers and this one is from reemerging from the cocoon and in the next two there's different powers that Mothra would gain throughout the movie and when Mothra whenever Mothra comes back from that it just a such a one-sided battle like in this it's like Death Ghidorah is like the most like, you know, he's the biggest, baddest monster you've ever seen, and then he's taken out in, like, five minutes once Mothra Leo comes in and shoots beams out of every... Every, every orifice. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he's just taken out, like, almost immediately. And, you know, it, it doesn't really... Add, it's really not the most exciting, <laughs> you know, final way to have do a final monster battle, just because... Like, Mothra is so overpowered that this thing that was made out to be like, okay, you've never seen a monster this dangerous before is just, yeah, might as well just be a joke at the end. And that, that bothers me in all three of these. It's the yeah. same thing that happens in all three. You have this super, like, scary, like, you've never seen a monster this this uh, this powerful. And then Mothra gets some powers, and then it's like... The fight's done, and there's no real like you know, and and Mothra just keeps pulling powers out of his ass at, at that so point. It's what like, you're saying is it's Deus Ex Mothra. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Um. Yeah, I mean that that's something that bothers me too. I it, every in every movie, it like legitimately just gets absurd. Like you go from Mothra shape shifting and doing uh the fantastic voyage in the next film in another, like going through another monster's body and then time traveling to the point where she comes up so powerful that like she runs into monsters and cuts them in half. Like it's just, it's, it's kind of absurd in a lot of ways. Like it just takes the fun and, and the, the climax out of the film. Cause what happens is the middle of the film becomes the climax and the, the end is just, it's just kind of the end. Like it's, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like to try and make it like 
too awesome, they've made it anticlimactic. Because it's like, well, Mothra's gonna come back and be able to do literally anything. That's how, <laughs> that's how like, they all are. But, um... But that being said, I mean, uh, it's definitely on the lower end of uh, Toho monster movies uh, of this era. Uh, but I think it works for the audience. So, I mean, if you have uh, kids or if you're just someone that likes kids movies, I think that it's probably something that... Yeah, I mean, that's basically my take on it. Um, are you ready to give your rating for the first film? Um, yeah, I would give it a very... a healthy two and a half. Um, I think the things that work about it work uh, really well for um, the people it was made for. But, you know, for me personally, there's uh, a combination of me not being in that real audience all the time and um you know just the the you know issues we brought up earlier so to kind of weigh that out um that's kind of where i landed yeah i would give it like uh, so i'm between a two and a two and a half somewhere in that range um i think if i watch it through the eyes of my kid it's probably two and a half but i've been consistently thinking like would i ever really want to go back and watch this ever again and no not really so from that reason, I think it's it's a it's a two. Like it's not so bad; it's unwatchable, but it's not something I I really care to revisit that often. Oh, how do you feel about um, aside from like the overpowered and can shoot a beam every out of everywhere? How do you feel about um, Mothra Leo? Yeah, I mean Leo's. Uh, I like. I don't really care for the design in this film. But as, because there's so many more transformations, like my favorite is probably Rainbow Mothra, mm-hmm. which is the the what you get in the next movie. Um, and like it, it's, it looks like Mothra. There's different like color patterns to the wings and stuff. Again, I'm not a huge fan of. Here's what I hate. I think when you watch the the original Mothra film or you watch Mothra versus Godzilla '64, those battles were very physical. And in these films, you have much less of that. It's like if you take all of the you think of the Heisei Godzilla films a lot of times when people say they don't like them one of the things they hate are the beam wars and every once in a while though you would get some sequences like in Mechagodzilla um, he ends up you know choking out Rodan and like you know slamming him and stuff like that whereas like in these films you don't have very much of that you get it in occasions occasional spots but most of the time it's a very stiff prop flying around in circles shooting out beams getting more beams and then somehow some other crazy power at the end and we'll talk about that to an extreme level in this in the next film, but like I think that's what bothers me about the whole character of how Mothra is portrayed in these films. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I do like Mothra Leo though. I I like that it's like an updated, you know, I guess it, it, this is, at this point it's more of like a son of Mothra kind of thing. Um, I think I think it's a neat design, you know, and I like that they went for something different than okay, it's just going to look the same, you know. It, it kind of gave us a Mothra that looked different than anything that we've seen. I like that. I think there's a little bit uh, too much plushiness going on at times, but I, I think overall it's a strong design. and um, I, I feel like it's a little less stiff than the, the, the 
the older moth, the 93. Yeah, there, there's some truth to that, but again, the, the plushiness is still there, and that's another thing that, like, uh, I just, <laughs> it, it bugs me, because it's so, it's so prevalent. Uh-huh. Um, okay, well, um, so, uh, you ready to talk about Rebirth of Mothra 2? Yeah, man. Uh, you want me to do the synopsis? Or, or you just to- as it's called in Japan, Mothra 2, the undersea battle. Whee! Uh, yeah, yeah, you can do the synopsis. So, um, uh, the, the first movie, um, you know, for the, all the negative reputation and, um, and stuff there is to, about these movies, they were successful. They the the first movie did very well um, at the box office. So you know Toho, obvi- they're not gonna pass something like that up. So um, so a sequel was was put into production uh, with Kunio Miyoshi, who was uh, second. Um, not a second, but uh, an assistant director on the the first movie. Um, uh, he was promoted to director. Um, as far as I know, it's his only directing credit. Um, and uh, like the first movie was, um, this movie was based off some ideas by uh, Tomoyuki Tanaka, um, and he submitted the first uh, draft of the the story treatment, but he passed away uh, while the movie was being made. Um, so he kind of has like an honorary credit on this one. Um, but uh, yeah, this would see Mothra in uh, a underwater environment. Uh, so Matt, why don't you tell us about that? Oh boy. <laughs> um, so the movie opens up with these uh, creatures called the Barum, which... They are essentially starfish creatures that are red. They pollute the. They basically destroy all. They have the capacity to destroy all life. Um, this guy gets like one attached to his face, and like it burns him. And um, they're they're taking over basically everything. And there's this thing called uh, Golgo, which is mistakenly called Gorgo in the subtitled version that they put out on Blu-ray. <laughs> like, yeah, this is not Gorgo. <laughs> They were just doing that, you know, switch the R and the L sound. They probably didn't. Yeah, this this anything. would be a very different movie if it was Gorgo. Uh, so the backstory for these Barum creatures um, is that there's a underwater continent. We've heard, we've seen this before, um, but it's called it's there's the people of Nilai Kanai. Uh, they created a monster called the Gara, which basically manufactures these Barum creatures, and their creation goes horribly wrong essentially destroys their entire continent or whatever city um at this point dagara is back and gogo who's from nilai kanai uh goes to for some reason which i don't think is ever really explained except like they trip well let me rephrase that gogo comes to japan and it it literally communicates with the fairies and says it's trying to find people that can go back to nilai kanai and help but the thing is like why does that why does he need help? It doesn't really make that clear because they don't really do anything to help him. Like, Nilai Kanai is the solution at the end of the film. But anyway, um, so Dagara starts destroying stuff. Um, and by destroying stuff, I mean it walks through sets and there's very, there's like one miniature that it actually destroys. 
there's basically like that whole thing where explosions are going off in the background. They superimpose the monster into the shot. Mothra shows up and gets her butt kicked. Um, eventually gets hit with the Barum tornado, which is basically this sea tornado with the Barum in it. They attach themselves to Mothra. And Mothra <clears throat> cracks hands on uh, Neelai Kanai, which is now come up from the sea and is like a temple thing. Um, we have some kids who are honestly kind of obnoxious. Um, they are they are besought by Golgo to help them and go back to Neelai Kanai. We have these bumbling adults that are trying to capture Golgo for themselves for nefarious purposes. They end up going along. Um, we have uh, Belvera again trying to cause trouble. She's the one who's like trying to control um, the monster, of course. And at the end of the film, what ends up happening is Golgo is the lost treasure of Neelai Kanai. And it heals Mothra, gives Mothra this huge power-up. Mothra then becomes Aqua Mothra. Um, can not only part the sea like Moses, but uh, can split into tiny little Mothras and go inside of Dagara, killing all the Barum. Um, literally looks like a like you know Star Wars going in there, except like the battleships are the Barum and the Mothras. It's terrible looking. And that that's honestly what reminded me of the Windows 95 thing that you said earlier. Um, and kills and defeats the monster by dropping it on the temple and blowing it up. That's basically how you get the, the movie's end. There's a print. There's like a knee like an eye princess and stuff like that, but it's like, it's so nonsensical. You also have those two like weird guys that, yeah, I like... mean, I mentioned the bumbling and the adults, but like they don't really do anything except like they're trying to hurt people. Then they're not. And like, for some reason they're the most least threatening bad guys ever in a film. Did you notice that? Like, they're, they're picking up the kids and threatening to punch them. I'm like, dude, you're, you're 35. They're seven. You could literally <laughs> just kill them right now and, like, it would be over. Um, um well, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I guess I'll go first. Uh, this is a movie that I was dreading having to rewatch. Um, and, you know, it's weird. So you have this. All, all three of these movies, they're kids' movies, and I would say the first one and the third one are aimed at a certain age group, but I feel like the second one is weird because it it feels like it was it's aimed for people even younger than the first and the third. Um, well, minus that weird boob joke we talked about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the caterpillar, like... Going down the lady's shirt at the very beginning of the film. <laughs> It's like, what is that? That seems oddly misplaced. <laughs> um, yeah, well, no, I'm, but I mean, that's, like, the humor, the characters, everything seems, like, a step below. Like, it, it re- this, it, like, this really feels like, I mean, like, three to six age bracket. Um, <sighs> uh, and, you know, I... I I didn't mention when we talked about the last movie. This movie makes me appreciate the kids from that one more. I I, I like I I I didn't mind the kids. Like you said, I think them and really just every human character, not just the kids, um, are just like the obnoxious factor is like dialed way up. Um, and then yeah, the the two guys that are like following them and trying to get. Go go, um, and you know, get the treasure and all that. Uh, 
I'm not right. It, like it, the movie says that they're friends of the girl's mom. <laughs> I don't even. But like, why? <laughs> I know. But why? Why? Is she a, she, she's them? keeping some creepy company. Like that. <laughs> but why is why is the girl's mom friends with those idiots? I don't, I don't know. know. Did you like the part where they uh, got superhuman strength and? I mean, I, in my synopsis, I left a, a bunch of stuff out because it's so bad. But there's a sequence where they're inside this temple and they're trying to get across this, like, basically there's this gulf of, like, 20 feet. And he throws the kid across with, like, superhuman strength and then jumps and lands on his face. And it's just the whole thing is edited so badly that, like, it he jumps and then he's on his face in the next shot. It's so... Yeah, yeah. It, like... Yeah, it, there's no re- like explanation for why like that they they can do that either. Like why why he can pick someone up and throw them like <laughs> 50 40 <feet>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's going on in this movie? Bird, did you like the part where Gogo like gives people golden showers and heals them with urine? Yeah, so, there's a bunch of parts like that. That's weird. <laughs> um my my son goes, "Why did he pee on them?" <laughs> <laughs> Like dying. Yeah, no, uh yeah, the you heard that right. Um he has powers that if you get hurt and he pees on you, it'll it'll heal you. Um And in fact the character is actually well at least in the subtitle version that we watched, like they say he just peed on him or something like that. Like they make mention in the film that it is urine. So It is, of course it is. <laughs> what else like, what would it be? I don't know. I'm like I <laughs> don't want I just <laughs> Um uh, this one somehow <laughs> feels cheaper, even cheaper than the last one. Um, the only real miniature set that you ha- do have is the, the castle in the middle of the ocean. Um, which is an, it, it is a nice miniature, but I mean, yeah, that's, that's all there is if that's what you're looking for. Um, we have the return of a lot of, uh, bad CG effects. Um, like there's the part where they're like um like going through the castle. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like it looks like a like a VR game. Yes. Yeah, it does. Like they're basically running in place and there's a there's like a composite shot behind them that's moving as they're running and it looks Okay, it looks like M11 from King Ghidorah is what it looks like. Yeah, it looks worse because the background's like all CG. Yeah, it's it's um, uh, it's bad. But yeah, everyone in this movie was just irritates me, and I, like, I, I mean, I I don't know what to say beyond that. The kids are all way more obnoxious, and you know, the humor is more obnoxious, and everything is just more uh, louder and more obnoxious. Um, and yeah, it feels like. It feels like this is intended for people even younger than the first movie was, and that's like I I don't know why they decided to take it in that in that direction. Um, it's, it's it's a weird decision. I, I some of the stuff I do like. There's two things I like in this film. One is Dagara, who is I, I like the design well enough. Um, it's it's a cool looking monster. I will I will give it that. I think the idea of the Barum is pretty neat. And again, I mentioned the score. Like the score for this film, you I would listen to like on its own. Like I, it, it's 
a genuinely good score that's well too that's too good for this film. Everything else is pretty bad. Um, we mentioned Moses Mothra. I want to bring that up again because it's basically stated in the film that Mothra initially can't beat uh, Dagara underwater. So Mothra can create, like, split the ocean into so that people can run across the, the seabed on land, but, like, couldn't do that against Dagara when it's moving underwater. I don't know. I just <laughs> was thinking about that. And then you have some really bad, like, you know, on the Heisei films for the Godzilla stuff, like, they genuinely tried to conceal the fact that it was a big soundstage and they were shooting and it obviously wasn't underwater. It felt like in this film, they didn't even try to make it look like it was underwater like there's just smoke everywhere like in every scene there's a scene where dagara destroys like a sub or whatever and like that scene is just abysmal it's just it's bad and i felt like there's a there's just a lackluster amount of effort put into the effects for this movie and that partially could be because of a slash budget but also like the cinematography is just putrid it is bad it is worse than the, the 90s godzilla films yeah no, I I can agree there. Um, yeah, no, I I like Dagara too. Um, he's also played by Yoshida, who told us that uh, it was very challenging to do that a lot of that stuff in the water because the suit just pretty much just absorbs water. <laughs> um, yeah, that seems like a mistake to have. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I can see that being a problem. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of where like the crappiness of 90s toho really reached its like zenith <laughs> um uh yeah i mean the 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 ju- the humor is too ju- too juvenile like i mean the first movie it's like kitty humor but it's it's bearable um in this you have you know peeing creatures you have caterpillars flying in women's cleavage you have um you know, uh, <laughs> like uh, the kids talking about, oh, I'm just going to eat at McDonald's forever. <laughs> and I, like everyone's yeah. just so annoying. Um, and then, yeah, and then you have those two weird guys who are, are friends with the the one girl's mom for some reason. And uh, yeah, the human characters, I just like I actually like I actually do think the human characters in the first movie are OK. And in this, I I don't. So, like, the human characters are bad, and the monster stuff is mostly bad. And when you <laughs> when you throw those things together, it's like, you know, <laughs> what? <bad. laughs> yeah, what's good about it at that point? There's a scene, bird. I don't know if you you caught this or not. So, the, so Mothra is downed on the top of the uh, the temple or whatever, and Dagara is shooting a. Uh, just a shit ton of beams everywhere and, and like expo- explosions are everywhere the kids are outside during this battle and there's a sequence in the in the middle of like these explosions where the kids are looking up at mothra and i'm thinking like if i mean it was just really poor editing because if they were really there all those explosions would have killed them also that, <laughs> like oh <go ahead. laughs> i'm just saying like i'm not trying to be nitpicky but it's so like I don't know. It, it it felt like such a just bad edit that I couldn't help but just chuckle about it, I guess. <laughs> also, like, um, so, you know, the, the fairies uh, tell the kids about, you know, the, you know, about Dagara and, you know, Dagara's coming back because he was, 
uh um it kind of basically like the the Atlanteans and the gam all the the nineties yeah, gamma yep. he was created to eat up pollution and and you know the barum are you know this kind of, it's kind of like symbiotic creatures and so I mean he's back because pollution's gotten out of control so you know you have that environmental theme carrying on from the first movie um uh but yeah they they so they explain that that's where you have your exposition dump and they tell them about you know the the sunken city and they're like oh let's go find it so they just take a boat and then like <laughs> no you're gonna and then like 10 minutes <laughs> like 10 minutes after they get out into the ocean they're like they're like they're just looking in the water and they're like oh there it is <laughs> Yeah, I know. I kept so, thinking to myself, if that was that easy to find, like they would have found it just eons ago. <laughs> like I know it's a kids' movie, but geez, like you know, oh, there it is. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, like during the um, the parting of the seas thing, Mothra does it so they can like run away because castle is gonna like explode and then like they run away but they're back to shore in like five minutes so like how far <laughs> how far away did they actually have to go that that giant castle that's supposed to be huge is actually uh about like in the shallows <laughs> so there's another scene too where like after mothra drops the gar on the temple and she like basically blows the entire thing up as it's blowing up, it then turns into water. <laughs> what was that about? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Just some bizarre like things that they do in this movie. I just, nah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, how many um, peeing creatures <laughs> would you give Rebirth of Mothra um, to? I mean, as harsh as I was on it, I mean, I am. I, I do. I am going to stick to that. Like, okay, you know, watching it with. You know, my girlfriend, our kid, like, you know, it, it, it makes you a little softer, but, um, and, uh, you know, I, I do think that, like, if you have, like, really, really young kids, they, they'll probably enjoy it. I do think that. Or, or if you, or if, you know, you're someone that just likes kids' movies, no matter how, like, you know, weird or obnoxious they can get, like, if you like something like, What's like a crappy kids movie from our childhood that was like really like kid kid like like three ninjas or something? Dude, this <laughs> like is an awesome. <laughs> movie, like if you like if you if you're if you're like uh, have really 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 young kids or if you like movies like Three Ninjas, you might like it. But um, I'm not necessarily one of those people. So um, yeah, this. For me, this is like the Godzilla versus Megalon of the '90s. Um, I don't mean that in the best in, in the best way. So I'm gonna go ahead with a with a one. Dude, where the uh, yeah, that, that's exactly where I'm at. I'm at uh, one ping go go. Um, it's just bad. It's hard to watch and. I say that as a, a fan of Dagara, who's criminally underrated in terms of like merchandise, probably for a reason. Uh, there's like three toys of that thing, and uh, that's the best thing about the movie. So it's a one. It's a movie that I, w I would never watch again unless Landon's like, "Hey, can we watch that one particular movie with the 
ping thing. I'm like, uh, Dagara did get to show up again in uh, Godzilla Planet did, of the Monsters. Did it really, though? Does that count? <laughs> uh, not really. Okay. He gets a shout-out there. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, despite having, you know, not the best critical reaction, uh, Mothra 2 was a, uh, was a success, and you know what that means. Mothra three. <laughs> yes. Um. All right. So, because it was a success, as you mentioned, they they made the third film. Um, this one was actually going to originally feature Rodan as a villain, which that could have been cool to be honest with you. Like, oh wait, hey, we we skipped yeah. over some trivia for the the second movie. Oh yeah, we did. All right, you can handle the, the trivia stuff. I mean, there's just a few little fun factoids. Um. So, uh, the assistant director on this was one Masaki Tezuka, who would go on to direct three of the films in the Millennium series. And also, um, I think, uh, there's something going on with Fantastic Voyage here. Because, so, you, you mentioned the, the, the Mothra getting the aqua powers and swim and break up and go into Dagara's body. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I'm, that, that's more or less a carryover from the Godzilla vs. Uh, Mecha Kong movie that didn't get made that they were trying to do in the 90s, where Mecha Kong like, injected a team into Godzilla to take him out um, from the inside. And uh, it even had like, the starship uh, star, star, Star starfish shaped uh, <laughs> starship troopers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The starfish uh, shaped antibodies, like the barum. So, um, yeah. That, I mean, they finally got to use a couple of those ideas. So, Matt, you want to tell us about Mothra Three? I believe you mentioned something about uh, Rodan. Yeah, man. Uh, so this film was originally going to feature Rodan as the main villain, which again I think would have been. Kind of neat, like something different. Um, Mothra is going to go back to the Edo period and defeat a younger version of Rodan and uh, Tohan. Tohan, Tohan, geez, I can't talk either, bird. Toho ended up replacing Rodan with King Ghidorah. Um, they didn't feel that Rodan was popular enough. So, and the original script mentions that King Ghidorah was a prophecy of Nostradamus. Um, this film uh, saw uh, Okihiro. Un- Yoneda returned to direct, but uh, effects director uh, Koichi Kawakita had retired at this point, and he was replaced by his assistant, which was uh, Kenji Suzuki. Um, one thing, and this is embarrassing to, for me to even say this, but like due to scheduling conflicts, um, the original Laura actress was actually replaced, and I never noticed that. To be honest with you, Bird, did you like? Did you notice that when you watched these? Because yes. I didn't. That's because you're a racist. I know. <laughs> That's exactly what you're like. I <laughs> they don't all look the same, man. Are you sure? <laughs> um, yeah. But she was, uh, so, Sakiyaka Yamaguchi uh, was replaced by Misato Tate. I don't, I don't, help me, bird. This is bad. Um, yeah, so that was something I never honestly paid attention to. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's some background information. You want to provide the synopsis? Uh, sure. So... <laughs> Um, like the other movies, we're introduced to a family. Um, you have uh, mom, dad, and 
little sister and two older brothers. One of whom, um, okay, I don't know if this is like a cultural thing or a translation thing or if it really is this weird, but uh, the older brother, for some reason, has just decided he's not going to go to school. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the parents theorize that it's because they both work. I'm, I don't know. I don't know the logic there, but um, and uh, so he, um, he's kind of a loner. Um, not necessarily estranged from his family, but you know, he's a, he's a lone wolf, and you know, he goes, he hangs out in the forest and finds like weird caves and you know tunnels and stuff to hang out in. Um. But uh, one day, all of the kids in the uh, area, just, they, they vanish, and no one knows where they are. And it turns out they're in this weird-looking uh, organic uh, dome. Um, and it turns out that they are being hoarded by none other than they King... The two guys from Mothra <laughs> <laughs> No, thank God. Uh, then King Ghidorah himself. Um, this this design is called the Grand King Ghidorah. But yes, Ghidorah, the original. Uh, he has taken these kids and uh, going to basically just use them to fuel his life. And um, Mothra. Hears about that and says, nah. Um, and then so Mothra finds Ghidorah, uh, gets beaten up, and then um, Laura and Maul and Fairy, uh, they find um, uh, the main kid. Well, I guess no. Well, one of them falls into the, the bubble along with Belvera. They're stuck in there. Um, but anyway, they, they tell the kid, uh, you know, who Ghidorah is. Um, they say that he killed the dinosaurs, uh, even though they, I, I'm pretty sure they said that about Death Ghidorah as well. They implied um, that, yeah, for so sure. So one of them killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> I don't know which one. Um, but uh, anyway, they're like, well, how do we, um, what, what do we do? You know, Mothra clearly can't beat this thing. And they're like... There's one more thing we can do. We can send Mothra back to the Cretaceous period to battle a young uh, Ghidorah. And that way it'll prevent him from, it'll prevent him from ever happening. Um, and then... Uh, so, they send Mothra back in time. Somehow. It's not really explained. Uh, like they, it's not like Back to the Future where it's like, okay, you got to get the car to this speed, um, or anything like that. It's just like we're gonna try really hard, and that's gonna work. <laughs> um, so Mothra gets sent back to, um, yeah, the Cretaceous period and fights. Uh, Grand Ghidorah. Um, well, I guess at that point he's um, a, a Cretaceous Ghidorah. That's what I always knew him as. Um, 
you know, and it's a it's a smaller, you know, more sleek uh, Ghidorah than what you're used to. Um, you see him snacking on some uh, very fake looking dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> it's my son has <laughs> toys that look more realistic, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but, uh, but so while that's all happening, uh, Maul has like. Uh, turned to basically turned to stone, I guess, using up all her energy, sending Mothra back in time. Again, it's not explained how that's done. Um, and so, uh, so Mothra beats uh, Cretaceous Ghidorah by dropping him into a volcano. Um, but she blows off uh, one of his tails, and it burrows into the ground. And then in the present day, they're like, hey, um, what? Like, so, because Ghidorah and the dome disappear, but then they come back. Um, and I th- the implication is that the, um, the tail grew into the Ghidorah that's already there. Um, but uh but yeah back in the the dinosaur age um a bunch of prehistoric mothra larvae cocoon uh mothra leo and put him in a kind of a suspended animation and then um when he comes back to his he's got new powers of course as uh as a mothra leo will um and he's got uh armor uh he can, armored powers so he can transform into this uh armored mothra and then he takes out King Ghidorah again really easily. Um, and then after that, uh, we get a glimpse at the the new version of this Mothra, which is the Eternal Mothra, which is really a really cool looking Mothra. Um, yeah, and that's our synopsis. Um, and you know, in the middle of that, you have uh, Ghidorah puts uh, Laura under a spell um, where she is kind of you know under his control and um and you have Belvera really kind of coming together with the other twins which um you know you you get a little bit of that in the last movie but it, it pays off in this third film um coming together to uh defeat Ghidorah and get um their sister Maul back um so yeah th- there it is so um Matt, how did you feel about this chapter in the Mothra series? Uh, it's better than the previous film, but... Uh, the, the, okay, so the characters are better. They're not quite as annoying as what you had in the second film. No, they're... Yeah, they're, like, normal. In this yeah, they're, they're pretty... They're pretty <laughs> you know. Well, I, I mean... Uh, yeah, well, it's one thing that getting this director back. He, I, I don't know if he saw the last one, but yeah, he, he kind of makes it. He, he brings everything back to normal. One, well, I mean, as normal as a Mothra movie can be. Well, I, th- I think that for this film, the stuff that I like. I mean, Grand King Ghidorah is a pretty cool, um, pretty cool monster. I love. So- yeah, no, I honestly like. I love the Showa Ghidorah, but. Just in terms of just design, I think Grand Ghidorah might actually be my favorite. Yeah, I, I could, I can definitely see that. Um, 
but again, this is the whole thing where Mothra has all these gazillion powers, time travels, and then also, you know, Ghidorah gets some new powers as well. It's not just, like, he has this, like, shield thing that blocks Mothra's beams. Um, he shoots, like, beams out of his wings now <laughs> and stuff, and, like, he can hover in the air with one wing cut off completely, apparently. <laughs> um, I, it's it's that kind of stuff that I'm just, like, uh, they just, they really went overboard with some of the the effect stuff i thought um it's fine i, I kind of find most of the story the effects are just kind of like eh. like the, the effects are bad there's a sequence that should be pretty neat you know king Ghidorah flying through the city and just destroying all these buildings and stuff but if you go like it hasn't held up well like worse yeah. than uh, I, I think this is aged poorly more poorly than the stuff in the early 90s from the godzilla series well yeah no i mean i i definitely think if there's a problem that all these share, I mean, you know, every now, a lot of the time, I think that the God, the Japanese Godzilla movies, no matter which series you're looking at, is able to kind of overcome a lot of the budget restrictions, but I think the budgets were just too low on all three of these, and um, I, I think you, you get a couple miniature buildings blowing up when Ghidorah's in the city, but, you know, a lot of the time it's back to the composite stuff, and... Um, you know, battles in the forest. And I, I'm thoroughly convinced that they didn't have the money to, to make those miniatures. I mean, as low budget as a movie like, um, you know, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah or whatever is, I mean, each building in a miniature set is pretty expensive. You know, I just, I knowing how cheap these movies were comparatively, I mean, they're almost too ambitious and they can't deliver. And I mean, it's obvious that you know, the Mothra and Ghidorah um, props and suits and stuff, that's where the money went. It didn't go into miniatures. It didn't go into the dinosaurs, for sure. Um, and, you know, it, it. I almost wonder if, you know, ditching the Edo period for Mothra to go back to might have been a mistake, because they definitely don't have the money left to do dinosaurs. You know, maybe they could have at least given us one good miniature set in the Edo period instead, and you would have had something a little less embarrassing look. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, I, I think the over-reliance on composite shots, so they have these already kind of struggling miniature effects, and then they add, you know, this composite shot, which is done in such a, a poor way, and you see that throughout really all three films, but especially in the second film and, and a lot in this film, that it, it just takes away from any believability of what's going on on screen. And I think that's really kind of the, the main issue. Um, but again, I mean, like, I, I, you know, Mothra looks fine. Um, like, Armor Mothra looks pretty sweet. Eternal Mothra looks awesome. It, yeah, I I do, I, Eternal Mothra looks great. I love that. Um, uh, but... <laughs> Did you, there's this part though when like the tail burrows and back in the Cretaceous time, King Ghidorah's tail goes underground, and then there's the T Rex and the Triceratops like look at each other. <laughs> yeah, they're like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, you see that <laughs> shit? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> the weirdest. Oh man, that, those effects were just not not good. Ironically, that set piece is pretty awesome. Um. I thought the, the Cretaceous yeah. set overall looked, looked pretty cool. Well, the, and they have the, the battle with Mothra and the Cretaceous Ghidorah is pro, is one of the better ones in um, this trilogy. I, I really like it. Yeah, I, it's fine. I mean, I, 
I don't know. I guess I just had Mothra fatigue once I got to this, and I, and I watched it with Landon, and I I just kind of felt bored throughout. Like I just I don't know. It, it it didn't really entertain me the way that the first one did, even though this may be on par, maybe better in some ways. Um, King Ghidorah, like I said, looks great, but like this whole idea of Mothra just getting this massive power up and then annihilating you know Ghidorah, which is again the biggest threat that you've ever seen for the third time. Uh, just gets waxed. I mean, it's just, eh, I don't that, that kind of storytelling to me doesn't really work. Um, and Moth are getting repeated power-ups that just get more and more obscene and more beams. Like, the amount of beams that Mothra shoots from places very suddenly is just obnoxious, and it gets worse <laughs> every film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can agree with you there. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think this one is a more solid movie than the last one for sure. I think just in terms of structure and storytelling, I think it's a little stronger than the first one. Um, that being said, I would probably put it at about the same level. Um, you know, it doesn't have the weird uh, structural and pacing issues that the first one has, so in a way it feels a little bit more complete, but um, I'd put it on the same level. It is... Interesting that this movie, uh, the last two movies, we really mentioned a lot of, like, goofy kids' humor and stuff, and while this movie is still certainly a movie for little kids, this one really doesn't have much humor in it. I'm not sure why that is, but... Yeah, I mean, that's... I think that might be one of the things that kind of takes away from it. It is very, like, straight, just played very straight the whole time. And for a kids' movie, it, it sort of overplays its hand a bit because you have like pedophiliac Ghidorah abducting all these kids and putting them in this like room it's just, I don't know it just eh. I, like I said I, I think by the, by watching the third one I legitimately just had Mothra fatigue and was tired of seeing the same kind of thing uh, on repeat that wasn't working well right if it worked I don't think I'd be so like down on it but for me like it just it doesn't hit any of the stuff I don't know. I mean, uh, a lot of it's more of the same. So, I mean, I get what you're saying about, you know, watching all three of these at once is getting the fatigue, but, I mean, you know, I you know what you're getting into with the... Um, I think it's a stronger effort uh, overall. Um, uh, it definitely is also kind of like, if there, if there is a fan favorite of the three, it's probably this one. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the issues are, a lot, are, a lot of the issues with all three of these are the same, um, and, uh, the, even though this one is a little bit more serious, um, it's still gonna be a movie that is gonna be enjoyed most by little, little kids, you know, you know, who, what they were going for. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's too this that bad. I think it, you know, it, it does what it sets out to do. And, um, I mean, you, you can definitely tell where the money went. I mean, look at Grand Ghidorah and Eternal Mothra and, you know, and, look at, those, and then look at those dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting at, I'm basically, I'm at a one and a half, which might be a bit harsh. It's probably more of a two, but, um, I just me. 
Um, I'm gonna give it a two and a half. Um, I'm gonna give it this. It's the it's the same rating that I gave the first one. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the same issues are still there, and that's why you know it, not getting the, the the edge a little higher. You know, you still have the the effects. I mean, you know, Shinji Higuchi and his team and at Daie were doing the Gamera movies when when this was happening, and it just looks. It's just embarrassing by comparison, but um, <laughs> which is funny. Didn't uh, <laughs> these outperform Gamera at the box office? Yes, they did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sitting at like a two and a half, and uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, overall though, I think if you have really little kids, or if you're just someone that enjoys, you know, dumb kid kitty movies like kitty movie like when i say kitty i mean like really little kids like if you like kids movies that are for like really little kids or you have really little kids yourself i mean i think you might enjoy these you might get a lot out of them and um your kids will eat them up but uh but you know i mean this is not really my bag and there's also a lot of problems with them so you know that's why i that's why i can't like you know go out of my way and recommend them but um I mean, you know, uh, but compared to some of the stuff that we've watched, I mean, like, you put these next to, like, Ape, or, like, <laughs> you know, something like that, you know, there's there's no contest. So that's why I can't go as low as, like, a one. But, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely wouldn't get higher than a two and a half. Um uh, some some trivia. Um, Tezuka was also an assistant director on this movie. Uh, Matt, as you said, um, despite having you know uh, better critical reception, um, these movies did outperform the Gamera trilogy at the box office. And uh, all three movies were actually um, executive produced by Koji Hashimoto, who directed Godzilla '84 and um, Sayonara Jupiter. No, I'm not watched uh, Sayonara Jupiter yet. When I get there, I'm sure I'm going to regret it because I've heard nothing but terrible things. Oh, so um, I would take any of well, Mothra <laughs> one and two. I would take over Cyanhard Jupiter. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, one and three. Two is around the same level. Two is like Space Godzilla bad for me, which is one of the worst things I can it's say about worse, a movie. Uh, no, no, it's below that. It's it's like. What about how would you compare it to say Gunhead? Because like Gunhead is also uh, awful, but Gunhead, Gunhead has is Max. Gunhead's the bottom, the absolute bottom of the. So <laughs> I would put. I would rather watch this than Gunhead. Oh man, I think I'm the opposite. I think I'd rather watch Gunhead. I, they're 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 essentially equal, and I like them. Like I like the aesthetics of Gunhead and all the crazy mechs and stuff. I mean, uh, things I, happen in Mothra too. Well, there's like they run around for like four hours and gunhead doesn't that count as something? <laughs> no, that doesn't count as stuff <laughs> happening. Uh, so I guess that does that kind of wrap up everything. I guess. Have Although you, that have, is that, those two movies do represent like that is a d- good representation in like the decline of of Kawakita's effects. Uh, as man. bad as Gunhead is, pretty amazing. And Mothra too is like Agile versus. Yeah, it's definitely not. And yet it got a sequel. 
Yeah, it made that money, man. Yeah, dude. Um, well, happy Mother's Day to all the uh, the mothers. I yes, guess. That, um, actually, I think I think I do. Like, I think my mother-in-law listens to, to sometimes us. So, happy. Uh, happy does she Mother- have any idea what we're talking about? Um, no. You know what? What's Ever. cool? Like, <laughs> well, okay. So I, you, you've seen my. You've been to my house. You've seen my collection. I think for her, it's like. She knows my son watches this stuff, and I think she's also she's pretty supportive. Like for everybody talks about their their in laws being you know kind of a nightmare. I don't thankfully I I don't have that issue. So she's very supportive of like me and my hobbies and stuff. And like it's cool that she'll tell me she's listening to an episode or whatever. So I appreciate it. All right, but yes, um, treat your mother as well. Take them to breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever. Um, give them lots of hugs and, um, you know, thank them for, uh, bringing you into this cold, dark place (laughs) called life. Uh, I would say thank them for their sacrifice of putting up with us because I I feel like, oh, yeah, that too. Mothers, (laughs) like they just, girlfriends, like they, they, they put up with us and that's, uh, not always easy. This is true. All right. Well, uh, happy Mothra's Day. Um, if you must, <laughs> maybe watch these, but, you know, just throw in Mothra 61 or, you know, yeah, versus the thing or something. <laughs> All right. Peace. All right.